Welcome back to another episode of the Swarmcast, powered by Hawkeye Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. Dylan Byrne here um, with Sean Bach. Sean, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing well, Dylan. Um, excited to talk some recruiting. It's It's been a while since we did this. We promised the last time that we'd be talking a little more, but it seems that you've been flaking out a little bit lately. Oh, so you're going to pin it on me. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'll take some of the blame, but only if you take a part of it as well. No, there's no nothing to blame. I mean, <laughs> I'll just take dude, I'm, literally, I'm literally like free every night. I I was meaning to ask you too, have you slept in the last three weeks? Yeah. Not like <laughs> there's <laughs> – I did wake up the other day in the middle of the night and I was like sweating and I had, cause I was watching all American, you know, the Netflix show mm-hmm. and I was sweating because I watched it before bed and there were a couple of like scenes where like there were gangs and stuff. So like creepy scenes. So I woke up in the middle of the night sweating and yeah, that's, that's the worst I've slept though. You mean you didn't, you weren't worried that you, uh, you missed a recruiting piece maybe that you, that you should have published and you didn't. No, that doesn't happen to me. That's very true. You're normally on the ball. And uh, for those of you, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, HawkeyeInsider.com, Sean's been all over it, like white on rice the last three weeks, starting, what, April 14th um, was the first commitment, uh, Jordan Nola Dokun out of Tampa. And then obviously today we got, we had Keegan Johnson. So um, yeah, if you, if you missed any of that, you know, all the coverage is there. (laughs) I don't know how you could, there's nothing else going on right now. So if you missed it, um, yeah, that's going to be on you. But yeah, if you, if you did head on over to the site, we got, um, we got everything there for you. So, um, Sean, let's just get right into it here. We're just going to kind of piece, uh, piece by piece, go through these, uh, seven commitments that I was gotten in the last three weeks. Um, and we'll start with the aforementioned Jordan Oladokun, um, out of Tampa Gaither high school. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. Oh, you're right. Um, what, do, what do you like about this kid? I know he was kind of the first one of all these dominoes to drop. So, you know, some people could maybe, you know, even forget like, oh, yeah, you know, we all the way back in mid-April, we're getting, we're getting kids in the class. So, I mean, kind of refresh everybody's memory. What do you like about this prospect, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I know Jordan's been a priority for Iowa and at cornerback for a while now, but I mean, considering all the things that have happened with the shutdown and how that's affected the recruiting now, obviously the mandated dead period, Jordan hasn't been able to get on campus yet, but he uh, ended up committing to Iowa anyway, had offers from Penn State, Maryland. I think he said that his final three would have been Pittsburgh, Iowa, and the other one's not coming to mind. Maybe a Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Going to have to recheck it, but... Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really interesting how he was just didn't take a visit and just knew. I mean, obviously that connection with Dane Belton helped a little bit in terms of just, just hyping it up, and obviously a guy like Ricky Parks, who's not committed as of now, but very well could be in the future, um, has been to Iowa twice and knows what it's like. So maybe he kind of filled him in a little bit on it. But in terms of what I like about Jordan, I believe he's around like five eleven around that six-foot range, very, very lengthy kid, good size for a cornerback, um, really shined his sophomore year. I believe he had seven interceptions in a really good schedule, against a really good schedule too. Tampa Gaither plays teams that are no joke down there. Um, has done a really good job out there, kind of 
really didn't really get the ball thrown to his side that much or hit the receivers that he was guarding this year. Um, so he didn't have the stats that he had a year ago, but he kind of made up for it on the offensive end, had over 600 yards receiving, 30 receptions, and like maybe six touchdowns, something along those lines. Um, so a really productive year for him. And just seeing him at wide receiver kind of shows you that athleticism that he has, that explosiveness and that ability to make plays, um, not just on the offensive end, but then on the defensive end as well. It really translates well to that next level. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the competition that he goes up against down there, and that I mean, that should undoubtedly help. Uh, you know, when he does take that next step to Iowa City, um, I was going to ask you. You mentioned you touched on the no physical visit, so he has not made it to Iowa City. Do you think that maybe impacts this at all? Does that worry you at all? If you're if you're Iowa, like, hey, this kid hasn't come up and you know really seen it. He's just kind of going off a word of mouth from from other guys. Would that worry you at all? I mean. It's probably something that's crossed the coaching staff's mind. Um, I think just having some of the factors in Tampa and having a guy like Belton talk up Iowa, I mean, that, I think that that definitely helps. But I think when you're looking at it in terms of him not visiting, I mean, words and description can only mean so much to a kid, to a 17-year-old, 16-year-old kid. Um, so, I mean – I think you definitely prefer to get him up to campus. I mean, obviously the circumstances now are make it tough, but as of now, I wouldn't worry about it too much. But, I mean, there's been a couple other schools that have tried to be getting into the race while um, Jordan's been committed. So I think you look at that a little bit and you're like, okay, like he seems pretty pretty solid um, committed. But I think I think you definitely want to get him on campus here sometime soon. I mean, I, I'm not saying you should worry at all. But I think it's just something you want to do, you know. Yeah, and with I saw today that that uh, uh, mandated dead period got extended out, I believe, to June thirtieth. So um, that basically wipes out anything you know Iowa was going to or anybody was going to try to do in June. I know they had that June nineteenth um, visit weekend plan, and I want to say, you know, if this goes on any longer, the tailgater, which I believe is the last weekend in July. That could be in jeopardy too. Still in play right now, so maybe they try to get him uh, up here for that. But um, yeah, as of right now, nothing through through June. Um, I, I read that today, um, so that that's going to put a bind in uh, to a lot of programs just because you know those are those are big visit weekends, and you know Iowa went on a huge run last June. I think they had it was a run like they're they're on right now. I think they had. Um, eight eight kids in the span of maybe 10 days. I'm probably wrong there, but it was something like that. So that just speaks to how impactful those June, uh, June visits um, can be. So, uh, Sean, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was, I know, you know, we haven't been doing this for Iowa very long, but um, it seems like the footprint down in the southeast has just continued to grow each and every year. You know, you think about guys like Dane Belton, Tyler Goodson, um, even Josh Turner from a, a few cycles back. That was probably pre, um, pre your years. But speak to kind of what Derek Foster has brought to the table. I know he's obviously a very good running backs coach, but the ability to recruit that area, you know, where there are so many athletes and, you know, an abundance of talent, um, kind of give me your take on, you know, what he's meant to this Hawkeye staff. Yeah, it's like you said, I mean, you look at the Southeast and you look at our 24th, seven sports rankings for each state and 
you see Iowa, maybe there's like 25. I mean, this year in 2021 is obviously a rare cycle because it's so loaded. I mean, we have 27th guy, 27 guys ranked in the state. So, I mean, back to my last point, I mean, you look at, you look at Florida, you got 150 guys ranked. You look at Georgia, you got 175. You look at even like Alabama or something like that. And then Texas too, like not all those guys can go to those in-state schools and not all those guys really want to go to those in-state schools because maybe they don't feel like they have a chance to play. And I think what Foster's done a good job of is finding those guys in those states that maybe those in-state schools are recruiting. Maybe you got some of the other Big Ten schools are looking at but haven't been, that haven't offered or just showing interest. Um, and you're able to get those guys that you think would be a good fit. I mean, Goodson had offers from – a number of big time programs. I mean, Michigan offered after he committed, but they didn't offer before his commitment. And I think his final two or it was like West Virginia, Wake Forest and Iowa. So that's definitely a beatable, beatable kind of, or like a very realistic sort of competition for Iowa. I mean, not disrespecting those other schools, but it is what it is. Um, So, I mean, you're going to, you're, I think the importance of having a guy like Foster is obviously the connections that he has down there, but he's able to find those guys that maybe not have the huge offer list or are top rated or whatever um, that he feels he can get and that fit into the system. I mean, you're looking at now in the 2021 class, Amari Wansley, a safety from Georgia who has a very, has a respectable offer list. I believe there's like Nebraska and I think, um, Boston College may have offered and a few other schools. Um, but Iowa was definitely in that race too and showing him a good deal of interest is what he said to me. Um, so I'll be interesting to see because, I mean, once you – if you're able to establish, like, get those crops, I mean, those guys are really talented. I mean, we heard Maurice Goodson talk about it on our podcast. Is like mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that fly under the radar um, that are real ballers, legit ballers. So – I think it's I think it's really good that they have a guy like Foster who's able to really go into those parts of the southeast and pick out those guys. Yeah, certainly because I mean, like you said, there's there's talent down there, and you know, it just takes someone to identify. You know, for the longest time, Iowa. I don't really recall a lot a lot of kids from Florida and Georgia, you know, giving Iowa a serious look, and now, you know, they're they're creating sort of a a little Tampa pipeline. Um, you know, recruiting Ricky Parks. They recruited some kids from Jesuit. Uh, the last couple cycles, Connor McLaughlin, um, the tight end whose name is escaping me that went to Florida. Jonathan Odom. Um, Jonathan Odom, yeah. So, um, and then obviously they got Dane Belton. Boy, that was a that was a loaded Jesuit team. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jordan Oladokun, um, right now last uh, last player ranked um, in the class, uh, mid three star, eighty five two six by two four seven Sports Composites. So. You know, not a bad bottom uh, to have there. I'm sure he'll, he'll end up being somewhere, you know, in the middle. He could be a guy that's that's due for a rankings boost here, uh, you know, when the new rankings come out. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
speaking of that, actually, I'm going to, that's actually a great segue into uh, Max Llewellyn, the Urbandale uh, defensive end, who is actually the next um, prospect to pull the trigger and, and come into the Hawkeyes. He uh, did that on April 22nd. So um, a week and change after uh, Oladokun. Uh, Sean, uh, this is the one that obviously you were, you were all over it again. Um, why did it take so long, do you think, for Llewellyn to kind of take off? Because, you know, Jaden Harrell uh, is in a class too, and it seemed like he, he kind of, I don't know, pe- schools noticed him maybe a little bit before Max Llewellyn, and I don't know if it's because, you know, schools were looking at him as a tight end uh, more so, but it just kind of felt like, you know, it took him a little time uh, to take off, and, you know, this spring was, was going to be a time when, he really took off. That was my thinking. Um, but then, you know, with, with everything that's been going on, um, it, his plans kind of got halted. So, you know, why do you think it took so long for, for him to kind of, you know, hit that next step? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. Cause I remember I went to, I think I went to one Urbandale game this year, obviously against, uh, or to see Jaden, but against Cedar Rapids Kennedy. And I think it was, the quarterfinals of the state playoffs for a and in Cedar Rapids. And obviously, I mean, you see guys like Connor and Harold stand out, but then I did notice Max actually, I thought he had a good size um, for his, for his frame. But the one thing that he told me that I thought was interesting is was he played at, I think around 195, 200 pounds this year. And he added 30 pounds this off season. I mean, it's not like he's got a physique where like, it looks noticeably like he's at a lot of weight. Like he definitely looks like he's put on good muscle. And I think what a lot of colleges want to see is they want to see these types of guys fill out and see how they fill out. And then, I mean, you have Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, where the first to offer. And then a couple more um, SCS and lower tier FBS schools. And then you have Iowa State who comes in. And that's where many people thought, or that's where probably he thought he was getting up at one point. I remember when we were catching up after one of the Iowa visits, he told me that he wasn't sure if he was going to really wait to the summer for camps. Um, He had that Iowa State offer, obviously grew up watching Alan Lazard and Urbandale native, saw he excelled, um, and then took that visit to Iowa State as a tight end. He's like, hey, man, I can can play tight end here at Iowa State. I mean, they – they're not the tradition that Iowa has maybe a tight end, but they got guys like Charlie Kolar um, and a few others that have coming in and are really, I mean, Charlie Kolar is probably going to be one of the top tight ends in college football this year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's no fluke or anything. And then they have a couple wide receivers uh, or a couple, excuse me, a couple of solid quarterbacks coming in Hunter Deckers and then Brock Purdy this year, who's probably going to be a top pick next year in the NFL draft. But he seemed to have his eyes set on going to Ames and then, because Iowa, I mean, he was open to playing defensive end. I mean, you see it now because that's where he's going. He's going to Iowa to play defensive end. But he want, they wanted him to camp originally um, over the summer before he could get an offer. So he's a camp guy. And I think he just didn't – he just saw himself going to Iowa State. But then Iowa said, hey, we're going to change the way we recruit you and we want you. We want you to come. We want you to come here and we're going to offer you. And then I think once you see it – well, actually, I think Nebraska offered before Iowa did because – Nebraska offered the morning of the Iowa offer and then Iowa offered that night. And then I think once schools started to see that, Hey, like this kid's getting offered by Nebraska and Iowa, that that's a good indicator that maybe we should offer. So 
I always thought, I mean, I, I truly thought that after he got the Iowa offer, be down to the in-state schools, that's what he told me. I mean, I don't really know how much of a player Penn State was in that or any other school. It kind of just seemed to be down to the in-state schools. So I thought, I thought for a while that he'd be going to Iowa State, but once that Iowa offer came in, things started almost by the day inching closer and closer to heading in Iowa's direction. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, this kid was – you know, yeah. he was before he committed to uh, committed to Iowa in the in the month prior. You know, he was he was still ra- he was still raking in offers. So this is a kid that could have, you know, slow played a little bit. You know, hey, I want to take this summer, um, you know, and just kind of, you know, you know, see what else is out there, and maybe take a few visits, like you mentioned, Sean. Maybe go to Penn State, uh, or you know, go to Michigan State, somewhere like that, and just check it out. And uh, you know, with with everything that's been going on, it kind of you know derailed those plans. Um, and you know, speaking about, and you're talking about the tight end and DN, um, differential, it was funny, you know, uh, Midwest recruiting analyst, uh, Alan true was talking about, you know, how they had evaluated him as a tight end. And, you know, now they're talking about, you know, they're looking at him obviously evaluating as, as a defensive end. So this is another guy that's, that's due for a, a rankings boost. And, you know, he, there's a lot to like about him. He's six, five, two thirty. um, probably a more of a strong side guy, maybe a three tech lineup outside of the guard and, you know, maybe play inside and outside a little bit, depending on how much weight they can put on him. But um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, when Reese Morgan retired, some people were like, Hey, you know, and I was had a lockdown on this in-state recruiting for, you know, for quite some time, you know, is this going to affect it? And ever since Jay Neiman's kind of stepped in, it just hasn't missed a beat. So, I mean, can you speak to kind of how, Jay has kept. I know, obviously, the the tenure that Kirk Ferentz has and the respect that he has, um, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed. But what has Jay Neiman brought to the table in terms of in-state recruiting? Yeah, I mean, he's done a great job. He's a guy that knows the state, um, been very familiar with it most of his life. Um, not not that I can remember that he got many recruits from Iowa when he was at Rutgers, but I believe he got maybe some lower tier guys at Wyoming I'm not 100% sure on that you probably speak to that better than me Dylan but he really like right off the bat like right as soon as he got offered or he got he took the job he was visiting schools forming relationships and a big one where I think it was kind of his big welcome to Iowa in a good way sort of party was when he started recruiting Zach Tweet Um, I think that was huge for him and huge for this program too because Zach was pretty set on going to Iowa State and then Jay Neiman decides to show up at his school one day um, and start showing interest and things obviously went from there. So I think just the way he's been able to control the state and build those relationships. um, Max said that, I mean, he's kind of been a father figure to him in a sort of way, kind of a guy that he can go to and call whenever. And I think the big thing that's helped with not only the recruits, but with the parents of some of these recruits is they look at the way that, Ben Neiman and Nick Neiman have turned out. I mean, both really good guys, very good kids. And just the way Jay has raised those guys, and they kind of see that for their sons. I mean, not just on the football field, but the way they've raised them off the field um, and how they've built them. Um, and they believe that they can do the same for – they can do the same for – or Jay can do the same for his their kids off the field. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, that that's a great point. You know, a lot of times when you think about kids sending their – um, or parents sending their kids halfway across the country, you're looking for that, you know, father figure, that person is, Hey, if they need something, you know, can he call you or, 
you know, text you and you know, will you be there? But I mean, even if you're sending them a couple hours away and, and something happens at a moment's notice, you know, you, you want to feel like as a parent that, you know, the coaching staff is, is going to be there for him and, and, you know, help him through, you know, whatever he needs help with. Um, but another thing I was curious about, Sean, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, how this was kind of a kid that maybe felt like he was going to take off, probably do for a rankings boost here in a couple weeks. You think Iowa benefited maybe a little bit from this mandated dead period with Max because, um, you know, with those offers rolling in, you know, it can start to get a little, you know, interesting for kids. You want, they want to take off and take visits here and take visits there. Um, but with the inability to do that, do you think maybe the Hawkeyes benefited just a little bit from him not being able to do that? I'll put it this way. I don't think it hurts, but I think you look at Iowa's class before Llewellyn joined and you got guys like Griffin Little and Jeff Bowie and Iowa took such a deep defensive line class last year uh, with guys like Lucas Van Ness, Deontay Craig, Logan Jones. I think Llewellyn, I think maybe if you would have waited a little longer, then maybe Iowa could have gone to some other guys. Um, but I think he was a guy that they probably would have been a little more patient on. But I think, I think the thing with Llewellyn was more that he was ready to make a decision. I think he was going to try and take some official visits, but he kind of just seemed set on coming down to a decision sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it could have been, you know, a, a thing where, you know, you want to get out and just see it. Like, you know, you, you're kicking yourself if you don't. It could be a Connor Colby situation. You know, he goes and he, he sees a couple schools. I believe he saw Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, I believe those are the right schools. And then he comes back home and he goes, all right, I saw him and, you know, I want to go to Iowa. So it could have been that type of situation with Max. But, um, you know, either way, he winds up in Iowa City. He's just a hair of Jordan in our, uh, in our rankings. Um, but like we said last yeah. couple of times, and, and Connor Colby goes and he sees these schools and then he comes back home and, you know, he realizes he goes, hey, this is where I want to be. So it could have been a situation like that uh, for Max. So um, he – Max ranked just a, just a hair above Jordan um, in our rankings, but like we've said a couple times, due for a rankings boost here uh, when those new rankings come out. Um, all right, Sean, let's transition over to the other side of the ball. We're going to stay in the trenches, though. Uh, we'll go with Bo Stevens. He committed a day after uh, Max Llewellyn did. Um, so, you know, Max's moment in the spotlight didn't really uh, last very long. Um, how did this kind of come full circle for Iowa with Bo? Because I know he camped, he camped with Iowa, and then, um, you know, obviously they kept in touch, um, end up offering him. But then, you know, a lot of big offers started coming in uh, for him. And, you know, you were thinking maybe, you know, this might be starting to slip away from the Hawkeyes. So how did it come full circle to where, you know, they saw him in camp, wanted to offer him, didn't finally offer him, and then they beat out all these other schools, uh, you know, in the end? Yeah, so I believe going into camp, Stevens had – going into camp last summer, going into Iowa's camp, he had offers from Kansas, Kansas State, and I think Missouri. Um, and then so he went to Iowa camp, and he told – or he had an offer from Iowa State as well. So four offers going into the Iowa camp. So I was kind of thinking going into it that they were going to – Iowa was going to end up offering. That didn't be – that didn't end up happening. But Stevens told me afterwards that – I remember this when he told me, he's like, yeah, like Polisek literally pulled me over and said like, Hey, like we want to offer you, or I want to offer you right now, but we got to talk it over with the staff. So they ended up offering, I think at the Hawkeye tailgater, um, 
I don't remember exactly when it was that they offered him, but that sounds sounds about right. And once that started coming, I mean, I think those were the main offers for a while. But then you get the you get the Michigans, you get the um, who was another one? Michigan, LSU. That He's was later Georgia. on. In the, Georgia too. I'm not. Am I was wrong? Georgia one? I, I don't remember on that one. Yeah, I'm not certain. I think you, you would obviously know know better than me, but um, but he so he visited for the Penn State game, um, the night game, and he said that there and then. I mean, after that visit, he said that he wanted he wanted to commit. That's when he kind of knew that he wanted to go to Iowa. But his parents told him like, "Hey, like, see what other offers come. You still got time. Iowa's class is not very full yet. I believe at the time." They had two offensive linemen, but it didn't really seem like there was huge traction for some of these other guys. Um, so Stevens took his time and, like I said, picked up more offers and then ultimately committed to Iowa in April. Um, there were a couple other teams that were really in a good spot there. Arkansas, um, obviously with Barry Odom, a Missouri guy. Um, then you have Oklahoma State, and then I think Missouri, too, was pushing pretty hard and wanted to get him in there, um, but that didn't that wasn't the case. Uh, I think his other visit that he had official, he had scheduled was Oklahoma state for April, but obviously it didn't happen because of the visits and then, or the dead period. And then he was going to visit Iowa in June. Um, but he decided to wrap it up to Iowa because I think that's just where, like I said before, I mean, that's just kind of where he fell. I mean, he said that that's, that's kind of just where everything aligned. He kind of felt like it was the right time. Um, he wanted to commit, like I said before, he wanted to commit a lot earlier, but he just wanted to see what other stuff would come. But I think he kind of knew that there was really no point in waiting at this at this time. But Dylan, next question. I mean, you asked me about what the whole recruitment. You're the you're the film guy. So what do you think? What do you think? Kind of you like about Bo on film? eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, I mean, I mean, it, it, there's a lot to like. It's kind of a, it's just a pancake highlight reel with this kid. Um, he's a big, big mauler. You know, he's six foot six. Um, I believe he's dropped, he's dropped some weight. He's down, but he's still big for, um, for a high school junior around 300 pounds. Um, you know, he, I having trouble. I don't know if it's guard or tackle for him. You know, that's a big guard at six, six. Um, obviously he, he can play there. Um, but, you know, he could also project out to tackle. I think athletically he, he could get out there, um, you know, good, good feet. Um, he's really strong at the, at the point of attack. Um, but when you think about guys in his class, you know, he might be better suited for that guard role um, being as big as he is. 
um, you know, with Colby and, and David Koff, the two, you know, highest ranked kids in the, um, in the class, you know, they're probably, those, both, those kids are tackles. I mean, I think that's pretty cut and dry. So uh, I, I think Bo moves inside, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be, he's going to fit really well into the, you know, the power run game. Um, he moves people really well. So, and he gets, he gets the second level really well too. So, you know, I, I, I like it a lot uh, from him, Sean. I like every, every one of Iowa's offensive linemen in this class. Um, yeah. I don't know. What were you going to say? Well, I just wanted to ask, ask you about, you, you touched on Tim Polasek. Um, you know, I, I've kind of talked to some kids about Tim and, you know, they really enjoy his kind of tenacity and the way he coaches you get the same thing from guys because it seems like, you know, when Tim, I remember when Tim came in, they hired him from NDSU in April of, oh gosh, 2016, maybe 2017. And it seems like he's been great on the recruiting trails, but he's been a hit with the offensive lineman. What do kids tell you about Tim and, and, you know, why do they like him so much? Yeah, I should have mentioned this in my, and when you asked me about Stevens to start, um, I think Polisek was probably the difference maker in this recruit. I mean, Kelton Copeland was the era recruiter, but Stevens right off the bat told me, he's like, yeah, man, like I just hit it off with Polisek. Like I'll be watching film. I'll be doing whatever. And I hear Polisek talk and I'm just pumped. I'm ready to go hit somebody. And I think that's kind of the enthusiasm. They're the kind of guys that Polisek wants in the room he wants guys I mean you want guys that are going to run guys over but I think Stevens is is the perfect fit um for that kind of style and Dylan I want to go back to kind of the film part you talked about him going to tackle or guard he told me that he's most likely to project to guard but I think you look at the and this is just my opinion you or he's so Stevens is around 300 pounds now he was originally at 320 but he told me that he's lost about 20, 25 pounds, and that's made him feel a lot more nimble um, with his feet. And he's still able to run over guys with ease at the high school level, but it's definitely helped his footwork. I think with the way Iowa's offensive line, what happened this year, I mean, obviously you want tackles, guards, and the center. Like you want guys that can play tackle. You want guys that can play guard. You want guys that can play center. You want them to focus in on those positions. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think it hurts to have a guy like Mark Kallenberger who – you could see playing at multiple positions. So I think this could be a guy like, I think, I'm not sure exactly what Kallenberger was at coming out of high school, but I think Stevens is a guy that if you need someone at guard, if you need someone at tackle, he can fill in and he can fill in either one of those roles. Um, now I know it's not preferred, but I mean, it's definitely something that you want to, you want to take into account having a guy that can play both spots. It's very versatile. Yeah, I know Mark was Mark was not 300 pounds coming out of Bettendorf. I know that uh, for a fact. He was he was leaner. Uh, I would say between 260 and 270, probably. I uh, played tackle for Bettendorf. Um, so, but 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 you're right about the versatility thing. Um, a, a guy that comes to mind is Sean Welsh. I remember he bounced around a ton. Uh, you know, you could throw him at guard. You could throw him at tackle. Um, I want to say that I the Iowa State game a few years ago. Um, you know, he played right guard, left guard, and right tackle. He was just bouncing around because Iowa was just riddled with injuries that day. Um, I want to say that was the day uh, – that was the game Iowa beat Iowa State 44-41. to um, And I can't remember if it was single overtime or double or triple or what it was, but it was nuts. It was an absolutely crazy game. So he, he kind of reminds me of a guy like that, you know, someone who can 
you know, bounce around. Um, once he, once he obviously learns a little bit more about offensive line play. And if you're going to learn about offensive line play from anybody, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz, uh, Brian and you know, Tim, those guys, obviously um, world-class. So, um, but yeah, just, I think that's, Iowa just does a good job of identifying these kids that they can kind of move around everywhere. And, you know, Bo, Bo fits the bill for me. So um, yeah, obviously really like the ad, um, especially, you know, you think about all those other schools that, that wanted them and, you know, Iowa wins out there. So uh, I do want to transition into, we're going to stay on the offensive line four days later. Uh, probably the biggest one um, for everybody, David, David Koff, um, you know, the Hawkeyes beat out the Buckeyes and the Wolverines for him. That one, that kind of come out of nowhere. Cause it felt like, he was going to take the summer, take a few of these visits and then make a decision. And then, you know, things kind of get sped up and bam, you know, he's, he's the top ranked player in Iowa's class. Yeah. I think, I mean, I know it didn't come out of nowhere. Um, I remember I talked to Brian Dahl, the new Trier head coach, um, David Koff's head coach. Um, and he kind of said that Iowa's in a great spot, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but David's the type of guy that really seemed – I know it's kind of a cliche, um, and I've wrote it before. I know other people have written it before. He's just like the perfect fit for Iowa. Comes from a blue-collar family in a white-collar town. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Winnetka, Dylan, but – I am not. It's, it's, so it's where Home Alone was filmed. So it's like the richest town in um, – okay. the richest area in the state of Illinois. So – a lot of people do well there. Um, but Davikov's parents, I believe, are immigrants. Um, very blue-collar, very hard-nosed working, great people, very down-to-earth. And I think that's kind of what sold him in the end. He kind of knew that Iowa wasn't all about the glitz and glams. They're able to put guys in the NFL. They're able to go about their business, and they're able to get results from guys. And I think that's what they got. That's what kind of sold him in the end. I mean, I know Michigan was very much a player in this one, too. We had a couple, I think, crystal balls that were a little premature in for the Wolverines from some of our other coworkers at 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really felt that Iowa picked up the momentum in the last month or so of his recruitment. And when he scheduled that official visit first to Iowa and then didn't have any other ones scheduled for a couple of weeks or so, I thought that was kind of an indication of where things were going at that point. Um, so definitely a huge gift for Iowa. I mean, he had a number of offers and he had like 25 plus and he probably had more, but like I said before, he's a very down to earth kid and didn't really tweet, didn't really tweet about him. He mm-hmm. could have had more schools coming in, but his coach and his family and his circle decided that, Hey, maybe we want to, we want to slow things down a bit and kind of focus in on a few schools. And I thought this is just, this is a perfect gift for Iowa. I mean, the 24 seven national guys have been talking about possibly in a five-star range. And you have a guy like AJ Vanessa was the last five-star defensive end, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I mean, yeah. has Iowa had a five-star in the recruiting rankings at all on the offensive line? I mean, that's pretty uh, impressive if they haven't. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. Nothing jumps out initially. I could do some looking, but I mean, off the top of my head, um, no, nothing, nothing jumps out. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously rankings don't mean everything, but you look at the NFL draft and how successful some of those more highly rated guys were that ended up going higher in the draft and David Koff kind of fits that bill. 
um, is a guy that can come in right away. I mean, the tackle spot is more than likely going to be fair game at that point. He can maybe slide up the depth chart. If he, I don't know if he's going to end up in early enrolling. I think if he early enrolls, then that's going to be huge for him. But I think he's a guy that maybe down the line, maybe in his first year, um, maybe not start right away at one of the tackle spots, but maybe work himself in there and find a way to uh, get get in there at some point. Yeah, I was I was just about to say, you know, watching him on film, this seems like a first year impact kind of guy, whether it's the four games. Um, or, you know, more, it's, it's, she's probably not going to start, um, like you said, uh, but, you know, I think, I think he's definitely going to be in the rotation. Um, he's just, you know, there's just a lot to like, he's, he's got a great frame to start with. Um, he's good feet, uh, in my opinion, uh, plays really hard. He probably needs to get a little stronger. Um, but room to grow, good leverage for a big guy like that good coordination gets to the second level. Well, um, good hand placement. So, uh, and there's a lot to like, and, you know, and once, once these offensive line gurus at Iowa get their hands on him, he will, um, you know, he'll obviously start to start to progress, but the raw, the raw tools and the, you know, the strength and the ability are, are there right now, Sean. So um, one thing I was wondering is you think maybe, you know, Michigan and Ohio state, they circle back around here in the fall. Cause you know, you don't obviously sign your letter of intent until December if you're going to um, sign the early signing period. So we've seen Ohio state try to poach, you know, a guy like Justin Jacobs. And then we've seen the Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh go down and, and visit Tyler Goodson. So it's been very recent that they've tried to, you know, pluck some of these Iowa guys. So I'm assuming they don't stop. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think, Maybe they'll they'll talk with him a little bit, um, but I think David's the type of guy that when he makes his his decision, he's gonna he's gonna make his decision. That's gonna be his final decision. That's the kid. He kind of strikes me as I don't think he's really gonna be really be open to talking with those other schools. I think he's gonna probably respectfully turn them down. So I I wouldn't worry about it too much here. Certainly, certainly, and yeah, going back to uh, the last uh, last point you made up about. Uh, five-star offensive lineman. I was actually had quite a few of them. Um, uh, Blake Larson back in 01, but yeah, I don't, that one didn't go very well. Uh, I was obviously, we we're both pretty young there. So we don't, we probably don't remember that one. I think he quit the Iowa program after his junior season. I don't think he ever started a game. Um, and then, you know, on our all-time commits list here, Dan Doring in 05, Dace Richardson in 05 as well. Um, and that is it. Bulaga was a high four star. Um, so yeah, a couple, a couple offensive tackles, um, that were ranked pretty highly by, by two, four, seven sports. So who knows if David Cobb uh, becomes, you know, one of those guys, I know he is ranked. He will be once he signs his letter of intent, he'll be, uh, somewhere in the 15 to 16 range in terms of the all time, uh, commit list. So, um, We'll move on here to uh, Arlen Bruce. Um, he was next in line, I think, what, 27th, Sean? The 28th? Yeah, that sounds about right. 28th, so, uh, yeah. They, they all mesh <laughs> They're all together. Making your head spin, yeah. Um, athlete out of Olathe North in Kansas. Um, does a little bit of everything for them. Uh, Wildcat quarterback, running back. Uh, Going to come to Iowa City as a wide receiver, though. Uh, what's the biggest thing, you know, cause obviously that's a recent one. So 
we've been breaking down the film on him over the last couple of days. What's the biggest thing that jumps out, you know, for you, for him? Yeah, I think I think Ryan Wallace, who covers Kansas State for us at 24-7, um, had a really good quote when I've talked to him a couple times about Arlen. He's not he's not like a Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna leave you in the dust. He's not gonna outrun you. But he's a guy that just he just understands the game of football and understands he can run between the tackles. He can run. Um, just he knows where. I, it's kind of hard to describe. Like he just knows where to be on the football field. And he just understands where he has to be and what angles he can take to break those tackles and make something happen. And I think one of the things, I mean, I've talked about it before on our VIP boards um, before he committed that I think the maybe a week or two he, before he committed, he had to sit down with Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz over Zoom. And one of the big things that sold Arlen was just the way Iowa was going to use him, the Tyrone Tracy type where – he could do a little bit of everything on the field. He's going to run a little wildcat, maybe do some running back. And I mean, I can't believe I said wildcat, but didn't kind of do like an ooh and ah. I mean, when, I mean, can you imagine a Kirk Ferentz offense with the wildcat? Like that well, just seems like. After watching but, what they did up in Minnesota a couple of years ago with the hike to the left. And I mean, I, he could do anything at this point. He's kind of coming out of his, coming out of yeah. his shell. But yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, if you'd have told me, you know, Wildcat quarterback, Iowa football program. Uh, yeah, I told you you were uh, crazy. Yeah, that was before me. So you're <laughs> it's a little that's a little I'm, before me. So. A little I'm d- dating myself, but you're a youngster. So yeah, dude. No, you're old, man. Thanks. Just 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 live with it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, I think yeah, I think just the way he's going to be able to find find the field. I mean, I don't know how early he's going to play. Obviously he's probably not, <clears throat> excuse me, going to see much of the field before unless like a Nico Regani or Tyrone Tracy end up leaving earlier until they leave. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of, kind of fits in um, David or Dylan. I know you, sorry, I didn't mean to call you Dave there, but dare you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I know you were kind of texting me last night about it that you kind of thought, Arlen's film was a little interesting. I mean, obviously you like the film and how he stands out, but in terms of fit, what's your kind of thoughts with it? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I didn't love it, the ad for Iowa, but I, I, you know, you like, I liked it. Just anytime you can take a kid that does what Arlen can do on the football field, I think it makes your program better. You know, he's just a straight up athlete. You know, you put the ball in his hands and he's probably going to make something happen. Um, it's like a Tyrone Tracy or, you know, it's like they took Samson Evans a couple of years ago. He was a quarterback in high school too. He hasn't seen the field yet. Um, we'll see if that changes over the next couple of years. Um, or like an Amir Smith Marset too, you know, a guy you can throw in the slot, get him on some bubble screens and just say, Hey, you know, go make something happen. Um, it's film strong. You know, he rushed for over 2000 yards. Um, I think it was close to 2,500, honestly, and fl- over 40 touchdowns. So clearly he's, you know, he, he's a football player. And I think anytime you can add someone like that, um, you do it. You know, I don't know how he projects to wide receiver because he doesn't have any film on it. So it'll be interesting. He's probably a project uh, a little bit, but in terms of, you know, helping on special teams, stuff like that, you know, he's a, he's a quality defensive back as well. So he's a guy that could, you know, after a redshirt season, which I think he's probably going to be headed for, um, 
you know, he could factor in on special teams and then it might take him a few years and he finally factors in on offense too. But anytime you can get your hands on a guy like that, uh, I think you do it. And, I, you know, I like the ad from Iowa, which kind of leads me to my next question for you. Why was he so far under the radar, do you think? Because, I mean, you, know, you rushed for 2,500 yards, almost seven yards of carry, over 40 touchdowns. Like, you should garner some attention here. And, and yeah. you know, there was nothing. It was Iowa and Iowa State. The, you know, the in-state schools, Kansas, Kansas State, nothing. So, um, what's your take there? Yeah, so he told me and Dave that he thought Kansas was going to offer um, when he took a visit there this spring, but obviously got canceled. And I think Kansas State – I'm not sure if they were the school or one other one that said that he was probably too small um, to or not fast enough, something along those lines. Like one of the – I think maybe Kansas State wanted him to play defensive back, but he was he was all in on having offense. So I think most of the schools that were recruiting him that didn't offer wanted him on the defensive side of the ball, but that wasn't, that wasn't really something he was feeling. So I think, I think he could have played on that side, um, but I think – in terms of just fit and kind of what he wants to do, I think offense offense makes more sense from an Iowa standpoint. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens there. But to get into to continue with the wide receivers, um, the big one last week, another big one. I shouldn't say the big one, but another big one. <laughs> Ankeny Ankeny three star wide receiver Brody Brecht um, chose the Hawkeyes over Iowa State. Have also offers from. Kansas, Kansas State, Nebraska, but it seemed to be coming down to Iowa and Iowa State the whole time. So Brody's around six foot four, like two hundred five pounds, um, maybe two hundred. Very, very skinny. Um, I shouldn't say very skinny, but definitely a, a thinner build. Um, has the qualities of the X position at wide receiver for Iowa. So I think he like perfectly fits that mold. Um, but he's got a frame that I think could put on some weight could he could still benefit from moving um with that weight I think he runs like a four four five 40 yard dash something like that is what he clocked um with the stopwatch a few days ago or maybe last weekend or something Mm -hmm. along those lines but I saw Brody play once in the fall against Dowling and obviously when you got a d1 receiver the opponents are going to do anything they can to tame him and Brody's a long ball threat home run threat and Dowling made sure they had two or three guys in his path whenever he was going to run his routes. And he had a couple times where he broke free, but the quarterback just overthrew him or it wasn't really the best ball. But the Dowling guys made it really tough on him. And I think the one thing that Brody needs to – I mean, he's obviously a freak athlete, um, can dunk a basketball with ease, has made some ridiculous catches on film and during practice, as coaches have said. um, This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. But I think the one thing that's going to be big for him is just continuing to polish up on his route running. That's been the big knock on him is just making sure he's able to run clean, clean, crisp routes. I've seen a couple times where he's been able to really get in, been able to really find a way to 
get the defender, um, make them turn their hips and kind of lose them and get them behind them. But he's going to have to do that consistently against power five defensive backs if he wants to find a way to really make a difference at the at the next level. But I know there's been some talk about him going to tight end. I don't think really that's going to be something he's really fond of. I mean, he's a guy that's going to help the team no matter what, but I just have a hard time seeing him want to go up to 240, 250 pounds um, on top of playing baseball, you know? Yeah, that uh, that doesn't sound like it's in the best interest for him or or Iowa, in my opinion, you know, like you said, Sean's got X receiver um, written all over him, big, long, fast. Um, he does a good job tracking the ball in the air. Uh, I think 22.7 yards per catch, which uh, that's pretty good. So um, he's got that home run, those home run capabilities. Um, he's, he's pretty good over the middle, um, you know, obviously with a bigger kid like that, you know, you worry sometimes going up if, what kind of shot you're going to take. Um, you know, your leg's going to get taken out. You're going to get one underneath the, underneath the uh, armpit and the, in the side there that those don't feel good. Uh, so, um, but yeah, this one, I, you know, I like Brody a lot. Um, really good athlete. Like you said, uh, baseball player, track guy. Um, speaking of baseball, is he, is he going to play baseball? Do you know? I know, I know he kind of said, you know, maybe, but he's focused on football. Um, but when he in his commitment graphic, he had a, you know he was throwing a baseball as well. So, yeah, I think I think the plan is to play both sports. Um, I don't think that was the deciding like the deciding factor. I think I know that the main focus was on football, but having a having baseball was definitely something that he was really interested in doing and wants to do at the next level because he's obviously a really good baseball player. Throws in the lower nineties. And has a lot of intangibles today. He's pretty raw still, but I think he's a guy that you can mold. Um, However, I mean, I would – this is my preference if I were – I mean, I would prefer to see him maybe playing one sport to focus on it um, to kind of see what he could do. I think if he's able to focus on one sport like football, he could really max out his potential. But I think still, even if he's playing baseball, I think he's going to find a way to make an impact down the line for Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I like the fact that the receivers are so much different. You know, you think about Arlen Bruce, he's just kind of a playmaker. Obviously, we just touched on him. And then Brody, you know, he's a longer um, – he's not very physical right now. Um, he can get there. You know, they're going to put some weight on him, maybe get him, uh, you know, 215, 220, somewhere in that range. Um, but they're just so much different. So they're kind of checking a lot of boxes here. Um, and then the other one, obviously, happened today, Keegan Johnson – um, out of Bellevue West in Nebraska, Husker legacy. So that was a little bit surprising, probably kind of satisfying um, for the Iowa coaching staff. I know satisfying for the Iowa fan base. Uh, those two fan bases don't typically care for each other. Uh, so are we surprised a little bit, Iowa over Nebraska? I, I know he, uh, he kind of mentioned, you know, the state of the programs, uh, where they were kind of at. But anytime, you know, you're a legacy recruit, your dad plays somewhere there's going to be a certain attraction there so were you, were you a little bit surprised um, that the momentum kind of flipped because early this year it seemed like this was a Husker lock and then you know we're here in May and you know he's a Hawkeye yeah I if you would have told me maybe in like January that I would get Johnson I would have said you you you'd be kidding you'd be lying um but I think I was listening to Mike Schaefer who works over at Nebraska's 24-7 site. And 
I think you brought up a good point in terms of Iowa or Nebraska kids going out of the state because they had Avante Dickerson, who's from Omaha, who went to Minnesota, was a top two four seven defensive back um, that many thought were going to Nebraska, but wound up going to Minnesota. I think the big thing, and then you have Johnson too, but I think the big thing with Nebraska is just you got to win ball games. We've seen in Iowa basketball recruiting how they're able to recruit at a higher level because they're winning games. And they put guys like Luca Garza on or on the national stage and has been able to perform. Um, but I mean the same thing with Nebraska too. It's like you gotta win games. Like Scott Frost hasn't really hasn't really proved anything much in terms of improvement with the team and how they're able to really perform on the field. I mean, they've they can recruit, that's no <clears throat> no question. There's definitely a lot of hype around the program, but there's not really the results on the field that recruits are looking for and I think a big thing that sold Keegan too was just success that Iowa's had consistently over the past couple of years and then the wide receiver room was huge for him Kellen Copeland was probably the deciding factor in that recruitment just by the way he was able to really transform the Iowa wide receiver room into one of the most deep and potent in the Big Ten from a couple of years ago when he entered Iowa when it was like dead last in the conference so I think definitely just the consistent success Iowa's had and just the way that they've been able to really, really work on that wide receiver room and really make it relevant nationally was huge in this recruitment. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier today. Um, this is my favorite um, out of the wide receivers, and I don't really think it's close. Um, almost almost favorite of the class. Uh, he, he's up there. I know Cooper, as you know, Cooper DeGene is one of my favorite prospects of this class for Iowa. Uh, Keegan's right up there, you know, just a – he's like Arland, except he's faster and he's more physical. Um, you get get in the ball out in space, and uh, you know, he's a nightmare for defenses. Um, he's, a, he's a more polished route runner than the other two. Um, and, you know – the physicality really stuck out like a couple on a couple of these catch and runs, you know, he's racking up you know, yards after the catch at an alarming rate and, you know, stiff arms running through guys, you know, and then on the other hand, he's running around them. So, um, you know, he, he's a top five prospect in, uh, in the Iowa class now. Um, I think he joins David Cobb, Colby, Justice Sullivan, and then Cooper DeGene. So uh, I just, I really like this. This is the second time I watched his film. Sean and uh, I was, you know, more impressed than I was the first time. Just, uh, just a, a playmaker. You get him the ball out in space. Um, good feet, good hands. He just really he knows what to do with the football. And you know, his dad playing college ball, and you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, um, you think you think uh, he's the best wide receiver of the three? I don't really want to put you on the spot there or get you in any trouble with anybody. But uh, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the most – I know some people have mentioned our board say I think he's the most college-ready at this point. Mm -hmm. and I think that you mentioned his dad, but also his two brothers. Um, mm -hmm. I think CJ was the one that played at Wyoming, and then Cade is at South Dakota State and is, has a possibility to be drafted this year from the FCS level. So just the way he's been able to learn under those guys and develop, I think, has been huge for him. Um, and I think, Dylan, you hit it on the – you hit it on the nose in terms of – I think he probably has the most impressive film, just the way he's able to make plays out of nothing. I mean, you saw those two touchdowns that he had in the snow in the state champ. Was it three touchdowns? I think it was two. 
where you had it was like 50 and 49 yards or something mm-hmm. like that in the state championship game. Um, that's definitely, definitely impressive with like the snow and all too. Like he made that look easy. Yeah. So I think, I think, I mean, he said that Copeland's kind of drawing comparisons to him with Amir Smith-Marset. I don't know. I don't know if you, if you agree with that. I mean, obviously you can't disagree with a guy like Kellen Copeland, but no. <laughs> what do you, what, what, what do you kind of think about those, those comparisons? No, I like it a lot. You know, you and I were talking again, um, and I can't remember who I threw out as a, as a comparison, but you threw back Amir Smith-Marset and I started watching a little bit more. I was like, it, you know, it made a lot of sense, you know, just going back to the bowl game, you know, where they throw that bubble screen to Amir and he's able to, to slip his way into the end zone or even, you know, the game against Nebraska where they had that end around where Nate Stanley was out in front uh, blocking for him, but there was nobody to block. So Amir just kind of ran right by him. Uh, Keegan's the type of guy that is going to fit that role and he's going to do those type of things. So I really like, I love that comparison. Actually, once I actually, you know, sat down and, and, you know, looked at it and, you know, we kind of talked through it and it was like, holy crap, you know, it was almost like a a revelation. So, um, yeah, no, I love the comparison there, Sean. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now that we kind of covered those, those seven commits was it or was it eight? Let it me count seven. again. Seven. Yeah, yeah, seven commits. You get past so, six in Sean Kane County higher, guys. <laughs> dude, I'm done with I'm done with school, so or almost almost done with school. So I'm kind of I'm kind of zoned out right now. Um so with the last segment of the show, um of the episode, we're gonna take a look at a couple couple questions that our VIP members asked on the board at Hawkeyesfair.com. Um before we get into it. Um, I know we're biased, but we've had a couple of people tell us that we've been killing it with what we've been putting out, um, best content recruiting, most in depth on the market. Um, and we've really been in, I mean, with the class, I mean, what they're putting together, it makes it, it makes our job a little bit easier. Um, but I mean, there's still targets on the board that we're going to have the inside scoop on and we'll be posting as much as we can, as much Intel as we get. Um, so make sure to sign up for that deal. We got a really live message board now. A lot of people have been really active on that. And I think it's been, it's been a lot of fun watching this site grow. Um, so with that, make sure you check out that deal, more details on the site. We'll probably tweet about it as well over the next few days. So let's get into questions, Dylan. Um, so let's start with the first one top, which is, can we have a way too early class of 2022 segment? Um, we could, yes. Um, will we though? <laughs> I, we, we will. I can, I'll give you one name off the top of my head. I know our VIP members have said it before or have heard constantly about him, but Arlen Harris Jr. running back, top 247 running back. I think he's ranked number 11, 111 nationally overall. Um, definitely a top 20, top 15 running back in the country. That's the guy that I got my eyes on early on in this process out of Missouri. Um, he's, Iowa's been at the top for a while now. I still believe a couple sources have said that Iowa's still in a great position. Um, Florida offered recently Penn State, um, then Michigan too. I think those schools will have a say, but I, I definitely like Iowa at this point. Um, then a couple other guys I keep an eye on too, not necessarily in a rush with anything recruitment wise. Um, Hunter Deo, a defensive tackle out of Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, four-star guy. 
picked up an offer from Iowa not too long ago. Iowa State's also in there. I think the Hawkeyes are in the best position at this point over the Cyclones. Um, but he's not really close to a decision, it seems. So that's one guy I keep an eye on, Xavier Nwankba, um, from Southeast Polk, four-star safety, Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Michigan, Kansas State, Michigan State, all involved there. Still time to go with that one. I think Iowa's in a good spot early. Um, it's about all I can think about in terms of in a couple in-state guys and then obviously Arlen too, but I think Iowa seems like he's class of 2022, but it seems like Iowa's been recruiting him for the past like two years or something. So yeah, still sure. a lot of time. What, a couple, a couple other guys that maybe keep an eye on. You know, Carson Hinsman's one. Um, I was been in on him early. Uh, Caden Curry uh, out of Greenwood, Indiana. He likes the Hawkeyes as well. And then uh, Toriano Pride from Lutheran North in St. Louis. Uh, I know is another guy who's who's liked Iowa in the past. So not a big board, I guess. But you know, um, trying to <laughs> trying to dissect everything here with the 2021 class and. Um, who asked that? Was it Josh? That question? Uh, no, it was one of the uh, non-accounts. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I mean, we can – maybe we'll do that, something like that here in the coming weeks or something. I'll, maybe I'll let you do that, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with with camps and stuff, with no camps and stuff, it's kind of tough because yeah. this is kind of a prime. I mean, you saw Aaron Gray's last year, got his offer during camp, committed on the spot. I don't know if we'd have guys that come in on the spot, but there'd definitely be some more offers, I think, coming out to some of these in-state guys during these camps. Um, so that could be something to keep an eye on after this 2021 class comes to more uh, – starts to finish up a little more. Um, so update on – this is from QC Hawk. Update on who's remaining and what positions can we expect Iowa to target moving forward. Um think first off the bat, you look at tight end, Thomas Vidoni from Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, top tight end in the country. Mm. Iowa's battling Nebraska, Michigan, Notre Dame, LSU, Alabama, two SEC schools. I've seen to be picking up a little bit lately, but I think I think it'll be tough to pull them out the Midwest. I think this one ultimately comes down to Iowa and Nebraska, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what LSU maybe can do in this one. I know our LSU guys, Shea Dixon and Billy Embody, um, posted something the other day that uh, so the connection with LSU is Fedoni seven on seven coaches good friends with the Burroughs so Joe Burrow and his dad um, so there's that connection there and they've been using that that pitch to kind of see what Fedoni's interest is like and Fedoni told me the other day that, that he's very interested in LSU wants to get down there for a visit really likes Ed Ogeron I mean how could you not um, so it'll be interesting to see if they have they have any impact on his recruitment. Um, and then another position I think we could see, or we, that we will see, I know a lot of people have been anxious about his quarterback. Um, I was in the top five for Donovan McCauley out of Lawrence Central in Indianapolis, but I think that one's coming down to the two, two in-state programs. Um, Kyle Wickersham's a quarterback from Louisiana that Iowa mainly has some group of five offers right now, no power fives and, It'll be interesting to see what Iowa's interest is there. Um, they seem to be in contact quite a bit, but I don't know if it's really in that offer offer area yet. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of goes about there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably not going to be a very big class. I uh, think 15 seniors. Um, so you think 15 guys in the class right now, 
Um, you know, conservative guess is probably somewhere in 18 to 20 range. You think about attrition. I think that I was actually one over on the scholarship limit right now too. So um, it, it's going to be a smaller class. It's probably pretty close to done. Um, so, you know, there'll be names that pop up uh, later on in, in the year too. It always kind of happens that way. You know, after their senior seasons, you know, kids have, kids have good film or, you know, I was tracking them and they, and they like what they see. So um, a lot can change here in the next uh, six months or seven months. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I think we could see some late some late pulls in the defensive back. Now, I mean, maybe like a Desmond Desmond King type thing where they get them late in the process, maybe flip them from a, from a Mac school or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could see something like that or a camp guy. I mean, it doesn't look like they'll be having camps this summer, but a guy that impresses on film that maybe – isn't highly coveted um, as some of the other recruits that they have in the past. Um, but to answer, kind of finish off that question, another position to watch is running back Ricky Parks, Tampa Gaither, three-star back. Iowa's the 24-7 sports crystal ball leader. But Utah is making a big push there. They want to get him on campus before he makes a decision. And Ricky's kind of seems to be to be trending in that direction in terms of visiting. I think Iowa's still the team to beat visit Iowa City twice, but I think Utah Utah would definitely wants to have a say in that recruitment. Yeah, if that goes any longer, I mean, you know, you you know, I don't think you swing the momentum into Utah's favor, but I think if you're Ricky, you know, you want to do your homework. You know, obviously he's seen Iowa, he knows what they have to bring to the table. So he wants to get out to Salt Lake City and, you know, see what it's all about. And you know, you can't really blame a kid for wanting to, you know, those are the top two schools. So um can't really blame him for wanting to see both of them and, you know, make an educated decision for himself. So, um, yeah. And then a couple more on the offensive line too, Sean, um, Mike, Michael Maslinski from Jacksonville and and then Joe Alt from, um, from Totino Grace in, in Minnesota. Those are two on the offensive line. And then obviously Skylar Bell, the wide receiver from Watertown, uh, Connecticut over there. So, um, yeah, there's still definitely yeah. some some guys some left on the board. Yeah, yeah some more some more names. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I've had my crystal ball in Iowa from Mislinski for a bit. Alt's obviously a guy in Iowa legacy, but Minnesota's making a big push there. I think it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what the Gophers can do um, with that one. So next question from Hawk Fifty Two: Has Iowa switched to a wide receiver? type offense and does that affect our recruiting of players like Fedoni Dylan what do you think about that uh no um <laughs> Fedoni could probably play wide receiver at the next level too uh just watching that kid's film um you know there's a reason he's the top ranked tight end in the country um I don't think it it isn't affected at all because um you think about the way Iowa uses their tight ends, you know, they, they're going to use them to, you know, what their abilities are. So, um, you know, they use no fan in the slots um, when they had no fan, when you have athletic guys like that, 
uh, and you know how to use them, it do, it's not going to affect anything. So I, I mean, yes, you know, I was maybe going to a little bit more of a, you know, if you want to call it a spread offense, but you know, you think about a few years ago, they didn't have very many wide receivers to use. So they're kind of forced to, you know, run two, three tight ends out there. Um, I don't think it affects a guy like Fedoni though. No. Gotcha. So, I mean, you pretty much took that answer. So um, let's go to the next one then. How do you, from, from Josh Block, how do you see the rest of this class finishing 21, 2021 class that is? I'll take this one, Dylan. Um, I it. Yep. <laughs> I see Iowa getting Scholar Bell. Um, I think Michael Mislinski seems like a good bet right now. Joe Walt, I'm kind of torn on at this point. Um, and then Ricky Parks, I think, ends up being a Hawkeye, but I think it's maybe a little tougher than people people expect. So at that point, I think that's 18 mm-hmm. guys um, in the fold, and then I think they get another defense to the back, and then maybe and then probably a quarterback, which will lead us into our next question. What QB quarter targets are still in play, and is there any chance that we don't take a quarterback? Um, I mentioned them earlier, Kyle Wickersham, Donovan McCauley. There's a few other guys, too, um, that probably are a little more under-the-radar guys. Um, so I'll be interested to see if there anything happens that. But the next part of the question is, is there any chance that we don't take a quarterback? I know my answer on this one. I think it's no. Yeah. I know it's no because yeah. I think I think you look at what happened this year. If you don't take a quarterback in 2018, Spencer Petrus, and then you have Peyton Mansell. But, I mean, I think if there wasn't for Petrus, I think Peyton Mansell would probably stay, wouldn't you think? Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. But I think people – I mean, Peyton, great player, great kid. But I think his – I think a lot more people feel comfortable with a guy like Petrus who has a pretty live arm and kind of just seems to fit that Iowa quarterback role in a way. Yeah, I mean, he he's certainly, you know, the the guy, you know – I mean, I know it's kind of recency bias, but you look at Nate Stanley and he's – they're basically the same build. So if you go into a smaller – Kid, I don't, I don't really recall the last time. Well, that's not true. I do recall the last time I had a smaller quarterback, uh, Drew Tate, back in the, the mid-2000s there. And then obviously before that, um, the mobile Brad Banks, um, 02, I believe. Um, so, you know, and Peyton was smaller. He was – his game was different. So – and it was funny, you know, when they were recruiting him, Brian Ferentz, you know, said the name scares him because it reminded him so much of Johnny Menzel and – you, know, you look at the tape and, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, he has that scrambling ability and, and, uh, you know, not the strongest arm in the world, but Spencer Petrus certainly fits the, the Iowa bill and that offense better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, with the, the wide receivers that Iowa has this year, I think you want a guy with maybe that arm that can overthrow some of those guys and make them go get it. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think there's any chance they don't take one though. And, you know, it it doesn't need to happen right away. Like, you know, in 2018, they waited how long to get Spencer Petrus. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to happen right away. You know, kids are, there's still going to be good quarterbacks out there because, you know, you can't take two, three, four, you know, quarterbacks like you can defensive linemen or wide receivers. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, they're everywhere, but it's not slim pickings. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you for sure. And I think, I think people are kind of spoiled. We're kind of spoiled in 2020 because Deuce Hogan was the first mm. first commit in the class. So I think people are kind of getting a little antsy in that in that regard. So 
Let's go to our next question from Rockhawk93. Counting Skylar Bell in the three wide receiver commits, if Skylar Bell were to pick Iowa, who do you think will most likely see the field as a true freshman and why? Um, I think the biggest candidates are Brody Brecht and Keegan Johnson, but I think I'd have to go with Keegan Johnson just because I think he's the most college ready. And I don't know if they have another receiver in the room like Amir with Keegan's length. Yeah, you know, I'd like to disagree with you and, you know, for the sake of conversation, bring up a a point on a different prospect. But, nah, I can't. It's Keegan Johnson uh, for me, too, just from a physicality standpoint. And, um, you know, he just – he looks on – the, on the film, he just looks like he's most ready. And, I, you know, he probably will play right away. And that's, that's my prediction. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, Sean. So let's go to the last two questions, Josh Block. Throw out any prospects maybe we haven't heard of or know that there could be mutual interest to finish out this 2021 class. Um, we're going to have to tell Josh you can, there's a one-question limit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I might. <laughs> He's a mod. He should know better. Yeah, he should. Um, he should you're right. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll throw this out there. I'll be interested to see. I mean, I know I'm very interested in a lot of things, but I've been using that word a lot tonight. Um, I'll be fascinated to see if Iowa misses out on Tom Spadoni. I'll be intrigued to see what tight ends maybe they reach out to. They, I know they've reached out to one from Nebraska. Um, and they haven't reached out, but they're showing interest. Um, and then a few other ones as well. But, I mean, I wouldn't count out Johnston tight end Tyler Moore either. I think that's a guy who Iowa really liked in camp – or liked, um, was a camp guy. They weren't sure if they were going to offer – had a meeting not too long ago that they wanted to see if they wanted to offer Tyler, and that wasn't the case. They weren't ready to because um, I think they still felt they were in a good spot for Fedoni. So I think I, Tyler went ahead and committed to Iowa State. Um, so I'll be interested to see if Iowa misses out on Fedoni, if, if they go and maybe maybe test the waters with or kick the tires with uh, more. I think that could be that could be something to keep an eye on. That's just my opinion. Um, I'm not, I don't know that for sure, but I think I think it'd be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, there's a quarterback um, that I've kind of kind of received a little intel that maybe something could be brewing. I don't know if I'm confident enough to release a name yet. To, if it's how much traction there is, Sean, we kind of talked about it uh, last night. So, but you know, we could have one there, but just kind of waiting for. Um, waiting for some confirmation there. So a little teaser for you guys, I, I suppose. Sorry, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I, we'll do some more as Dave says, we'll do some more digging, some more digging. <laughs> um, yep. and see if anything comes about from there. So <laughs> last question from Hawk fans, seven, three, one, four. If only the seniors leave, will this be a historically small class? Um, I mean, probably around like, I would guess 19 maybe would be the minimum. Yeah, I mean, if only the seniors leave, I mean, that puts them – I think there's 15 seniors, so, I mean, that puts them technically over since they're over right now. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, I don't think that that's going to be the case at all. There's always always attrition, you know, guys transferring out. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and speculate because that's not, that's not fair to any of the kids. So, but, yeah, I, I, I don't – trying to remember the last time Iowa had less than – 
18. Um, but yeah, they've gotten up into the low 20s before, and then it's been 18 and 19 a couple times. Uh, if my memory is serving me correctly off the top of my head. So historically small, no, that's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty average. For sure. So, I mean, that about wraps it up with our questions and everything we wanted to cover. Don't you want to add anything else? No, I got nothing else for you tonight, Sean. It's been good to talk recruiting with you again, and uh, hopefully we can do it more. If, if Iowa keeps this commitment train rolling, well, you know, we'll have plenty to talk about every week, but. Yeah, I mean, with the way with the way things are going, we might have to get we might have to get creative in July and August. I mean, hopefully that that'll clear things up. So I mean, we can get out to high schools and training, and maybe get a head start on that twenty twenty two class. So yeah, I mean, if you think about it, June's going to be be pretty dull because I mean, if Iowa wraps up this class, you know, there's not going to be much to write about for you know guys like you and me. So I mean, yeah, no commitments. Dave. Dave oh. will get his salary's worth. <laughs> he's uh yeah, he's the salaried one out of the out of the group. So he's he's set. We ha- we actually have to have something to write about though. Yeah. Well, I think I think at this rate, I mean it might just be a Fedoni said he wants to kind of wrap things up around like late summer, early fall. So I mean mm-hmm. it might be a new Thomas Fedoni update like every day. Could be. I mean, he's uh I don't recall the last time the number one tight end in the nation's been, uh, you know, an in-state recruit. So it's going to be one that's tracked pretty, pretty heavily, obviously. It already has been. So, yeah, it's only going to, it's only going to heat up more. So, yep. um, so like, like, I mean, you can check me and me and Dylan out on Twitter. I'm sbach247. He's dburn247. Um, obviously check us out on hawkeyeinstar.com. So that about wraps it up. Thanks again, guys, for listening and, be sure to check out the site and just stay in in stay in uh stay in the loop of all things going on with Iowa Hawkeyes football recruiting basketball recruiting that could pick up here in the next couple of weeks too so thanks again guys for listening and have a good one